In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Forty days after Easter, on a Thursday, the church celebrates Ascension Day. We celebrated the eve of Ascension Day here on Wednesday night. And this Sunday after the Ascension, the scriptures allow us an opportunity to reflect and remember uh, what that story might mean, what it might mean for us. Um, We might do so by reflecting on the Ascension window up there to your left. Um, As I look at the elegance and beauty of that window with Jesus sort of floating between two angels, I'm reminded of an image I saw in a church where I worked my first year of seminary. It was their ascension window, and it was a nice window. It was done by a leading stained glass artist. But all you saw were Jesus' feet. The rest of him, it was as though he'd already ascended. I couldn't look at that window without giggling. It just seemed like such a strange image, but it does get the point across, doesn't it? It gets one point across anyway. It gets this idea that Jesus has somehow left the presence of his disciples. I doubt very much that he zoomed off the planet like a missile or a rocket. Uh, We use that word ascended to mean a number of things, but whatever it may have looked like, whatever it may have felt like to his friends and disciples, The point of the story is that Jesus has ascended into the full love of God. He has been absorbed into God's very presence, just as we will ascend into the fullness and the love of God. There's a phrase that sort of rings out of the scriptures on this day. We heard it in that first lesson As the angels say to the disciples, men of Galilee, why do you stand there looking up into heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come again. In other words, don't look up high, whether it's a beautiful stained glass window or an odd one. Don't look for Jesus in the heavens. Look for him in your midst. Look for him in your neighbors. Look for him in your heart. After all, isn't that what Jesus says over and over in the Gospels? The kingdom of God is not far away, but it is very near. The kingdom of God is within you. Where do we look for Jesus? This gospel we've just heard comes from a portion of the gospel of John, well before the crucifixion, well before the ascension. But Jesus is already trying to prepare his friends and disciples for the days when he will not be with them. It will be hard to keep the faith. He knows that. It will be hard to remember what he has said. He knows that. They will argue about the various stories and what he meant and what he said. And so Jesus promises three things at least. Uh, He gives the gift of his body and blood in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, the Holy Communion, the Eucharist, whatever name we use for it, that sacrament that we enact and recall and participate again in his life. Secondly, Jesus gives the fullness of the Holy Spirit. 
We celebrate that as a church worldwide next Sunday with the Feast of Pentecost. Not as though the Holy Spirit came for the first time, but that the Holy Spirit, and it is the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit of Christ comes in a new and dynamic way for each and all of us. But then there's a third gift that Jesus gives to his disciples, and really it's the heart of today's gospel that we just heard. And that's the gift of prayer. In today's gospel, Jesus is praying for his disciples. He's praying for his friends. He's he's asking God to look out for them. He's asking God to protect them and to protect those who will believe through the word. That's us. Notice that Jesus doesn't ask God to take us out of the world. He knows that it's, it's through this world that we know and encounter God. It's through this world that we make changes to the world little by little. And so while it's very human to to wish to be taken out of things sometimes, it's the life of faith to send us right into the heart of things over and over again. But we're, we're sent equipped and empowered and nurtured by God. Jesus prays for us in today's gospel, and that's no small thing. In fact, it's everything. I grew up largely going to church and going to Sunday school classes, and I don't think it was ever stressed to me that Jesus prays for me. I picked it up somewhere, but I think it's only in adulthood that I've sort of connected the dots and come up with this. Um, I pray that Serena and Daniel will know in their heart of hearts that Jesus prays for them just as surely as we pray for them today as they're baptized and begin this new life of faith. Jesus prays for you. Jesus prays for me. Even when it feels like I haven't done my part, even when it feels like I might have messed up whatever link there is between me and God, Jesus is here praying for me and praying for you. He's he's praying for us when we have a difficult decision to make. He's praying for us when we're trying to figure out what it means to be a person of faith and integrity. Whether that's in relationships or work or in families or in social settings, Jesus is praying for us. He's pulling for us to to figure it out and make our way of faith through things. It's Jesus' love that carries the weight of his prayer, and it's a love that, that binds us into the presence of God the Father. When we add our love, then there's even more in the conversation, and it's a, it's a full exchange of prayer, this asking and answering, complete with the silences in between, and it's through prayer that we grow in relationship with God. Some of you remember uh, Margaret Gunther, who at one point was a layperson in this church before she was ordained a priest and became a professor at General Seminary. Margaret just died last year. But Margaret left us a lot of wisdom and a number of books. She was a priest and spiritual director and friend to many. And she really did teach and live out a life of prayer. She talks about how prayer is a conversation. In her little book called The Practice of Prayer, she writes, A good conversation, if you think about it, is like a dance. 
The partners are aware of each other, attuned to each other, sensitive to nuances in tempo and rhythm. A good conversation with a friend, in contrast to idle chit-chat with an acquaintance, allows space for pauses. There's no need to fill every minute. There's comfort in the intimacy of shared silence. A good conversation is generous as each partner brings the gift of willing attentiveness. And listening is an important and dynamic as speaking. She's talking about prayer, really. This conversation with God, where we listen, where God listens. Where there are silences, sometimes awkward, sometimes the perfect thing. But a relationship based in this ongoing conversation Jesus is a part of that conversation. He's praying for us. With his spirit, he's praying within us and allowing us to pray back, to pray forward, to pray for others. Prayer becomes a kind of frequency, a kind of energy that that moves through us. Sometimes prayer is difficult. I know that. You know that. We can get stagnant. We can get tongue-tied. We we sometimes don't know what to say or where to go in prayer. Perhaps we get into some bad habits and we miss out on some of the conversation that God might be trying to have with us. Sometimes we get into praying the same way over and over again. And so just like anything else, it can sometimes show us something new to try something new. Often people around the church use a a little acronym to remind us of types of prayer. Um, They say that if we want to think about the, the activity of prayer, what prayer accomplishes, think of the acronym ACT. A-T-A-C-T-S. A for adoration. C for confession. T for thanksgiving. S for supplication. If we pray prayers of adoration, we can remind ourselves that sometimes for God, simply being present is enough. Western Christianity sometimes forgets this about ourselves. And so those of us who who meditate or go to yoga, we sometimes hear people uh, adopting from Eastern religions as though they've invented meditation. They haven't. Christians have been meditating. Christians have been sitting in silence. We can learn from each other, but we can also remember this is a part of our tradition. It's enough for God for us simply to sit in God's presence, in silence, in quiet, in adoration. Adoration of God is like sitting in the sun and simply feeling the warmth, not doing anything, just allowing that light to reflect upon us and from us. Adoration can help us move out of ourselves and more into God when we realize that we don't have to say or do anything. The C in Acts stands for confession. And often the church is really good at talking about confession, but we're not always so good at practicing it. The whole gift of confession is that we say something to God or to another person or to a priest. We say it, and having said it, we let it drop and we move on. We don't go back to it and pick at it and and mess with it again and again and again. 
this month in our 10 o'clock adult education time, we've been talking about the book of Jonah and Jonah's problem with resentment. Resenting something is to, to resentir, to, to feel it again and again and again. It's like picking at a scab where the church's gift of confession to us offers us this amazing opportunity where we say to God, we're sorry. And God accepts that. And so it's over and done with. Move on. Forget it. I have a colleague in Washington, D.C., a priest friend, who had um, a parishioner who was extremely Anglo-Catholic in her piety, um, except that she would like to talk about the same problem again and again and again. And he would try to change the subject and try to get her to move on, but she would go back to this one problem. Finally, he used what he knew about the sacrament of confession And he arranged that she would sit with him in a formal sitting of confession. And he had the purple stole on and everything. And they they read the service from the prayer book. And she talked about the same problem again. He absolved her of that. And the next time she brought it up, he said, you have been forgiven for that. It's over and done with. For you to bring it up again is to insult God. He's a little rough with the way he practices pastoral care, but he's right. He's right. What would it look like if we believed that God forgives us and we left things where we put them? We can adore God in silence and quiet and beauty. We can confess to God any way it makes sense. We can give thanks to God. Often giving thanksgiving moves us out of whatever our list of gripes might be for the day or the hour or the moment. To give thanks for the ability to come up with feeling, with passion. God doesn't need a thank you note to feel good about God's self, but God blesses our further recognition that we are gifted, that life itself is a gift, that friends and family are gifts, that all the stuff that we fill our lives with is giftedness loaned to us. And finally, the S stands for supplication. We, we do that especially in Sundays, and many of you do it all through the week as we pray for others We pray for those close by and those far away. But do we pray as daring as we might? Do we really ask God for what's in the heart of hearts for each one of us? Do we risk that sort of faith? Jesus says to pray. Pray from the bottom of our hearts. And God invites us to pray. Perhaps that little acronym can be useful if you ever feel like you're stuck in prayer. Sometimes if I feel like I'm getting nowhere with a particular prayer, I'll think about that adoration or confession or thanksgiving or supplication. And then I'll go to some other angle of approaching God in the conversation of prayer. And I'll see or hear or notice something new. Jesus prays for us and with us. He gives us courage to ask for what we want and to enact prayerfully what God wants. That question of the angels in the book of Acts still hangs in the room a little bit. Why do we stand here looking for Jesus? Well, I think we can answer it. We can answer it prayerfully and say, well, we don't look for Jesus way up high. We look for Jesus in the sacraments with the Holy Spirit. We look for Jesus in the experience of our own humanity. We look for Jesus in the continued experience of prayer. 
the prayers that we pray and the prayers that are prayed for us and in us. And so thanks be to God for the gift and the ongoing conversation of prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.